And what we know is Solomon has a lot to say about life, doesn't he? I mean, you want to learn about life? He has it right here. And you know what? We thank God for life, don't we? We we appreciate that. God is life. God is life. You know, it's good. Life is good, isn't it? Life is good. But we have to be realistic. And also, life is hard. Of course, remember the song? Life is hard, but God is good. Um, I think it would seem to be futile if you didn't know Christ. To me, it would be. I would think. Maybe not. But um, it is futile without Christ. That's really what the writer's trying to say here. Uh, but when we see God in it, and in everything, and chapter 3 was about changes. You know, a time to give birth, time to die. Time to plant, time to uproot. Time to kill, time to heal. Time to tear down, time to build up. Time to weep, time to laugh. Right? There is a time to weep. There is a, t- a time to be serious. There's a time to mourn. But then there's a time to laugh. And, you know, God is in every bit of that. He's involved in everything. And that's what we kind of talked about last week, the sovereignty of God in, in every aspect. And he it's like His purpose in everything that comes in our lives. Um, not and, and not that it's it's to be taken as a, as a futile thing, but it's something that uh, He's working out for good. Uh, so we, we know that, but I think we would have to say His timing is perfect even when we think it's the worst timing that could ever be. You know, His timing is, is right. Uh, and we may not always agree with it at all, you know, but eventually we will see the glory of God in His providence. We will see that. And uh, that's really what I think uh, Solomon is really trying to impress upon our hearts is that God's providence is moving in everything. He, he brings the mournful times up to us. He brings also the times of of uh, lightheartedness and, and time to uh, laugh, time to, to dance, time to sing, those kind of things, right? Uh, a, a time. God is in charge of time. So, what we're going to look at is we're going to pick up at the end of chapter 3 and then kind of move into to 4 and, and 5. We're, we're moving pretty rapidly. kind of got slowed down last week, but it, it was really about um, one of our favorite topics, providence of God, and how He causes these things to happen. Um, if we pick it up in, I would say, around verse 12, because I think we left off, He has set eternity in their hearts. Verse 12, I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and to do good in one's lifetime. Moreover, that every man who eats and drinks sees good in all his labor, it is the gift of God. I know that everything that God does will remain forever. There is nothing to add to it and there is nothing to take from it. For God has so worked that men should fear Him. That which is has been already, and that which will be has already been, for God seeks what has passed by. Furthermore, I have seen under the sun that in the place of justice there is wickedness, and in the place of righteousness there is wickedness. I said to myself, God will judge both the righteous man and the wicked man, for a time for every matter and for every deed is there. I said to myself, concerning the sons of men, God has surely tested them in order for them to see that they are but beasts 
For the fate of the sons of men and the fate of beasts is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. Indeed, they all have the same breath, and there is no advantage for man over beast, for all is vanity. All go to the same place. All came from the dust, all return to the dust. Who knows that the breath of man ascends upward and the breath of the beast descends downward to the earth? I have seen that nothing is better than that man should be happy in his activities, for that is his lot. For who will bring him to see what will occur after him? We want to see the glory of God in, in all of His providence. And you know, we, we see not the complete beauty of the providence of God. We don't see all that right now, do we? We, we don't. And, and we, we live it by faith. Uh, we'd love to be able to see some things. Why, you know, why are these things happening? Why do I have to go through all this stuff? There's things in life we don't like. There's other things in life that we do. But one day we shall see what God has really done. I mean, it's a glorious sight when the mystery of God will be finished. It's like a carpenter. You know, it's like an architect. It's like a, in construction. You know, they're building something and when it reaches its final um, part of building, it's like an artist who's drawing something that doesn't make any sense as he starts out. But he knows exactly what he needs, where he's going, and he's going to put the, the colors. It looks randomly, the colors and stuff like that. When we finally see the other side. Right. Right. And that's what he's doing. And so it's the, it's the wonder. you know. So his timing is perfect in everything. And that's why he would say a time to give birth, a time to die. You know, it's, we all um, take that. But this is about life. If you wanted to instruct somebody what life is, man, it's right here. Uh, and without Christ, one can't have any idea what's going on. We're just taking it by faith and realizing that God's going to do what uh, He's going to do. So what do we have to do with that? Well, wait with patience. Um, there's going to be a full discovery. But uh, in the meantime, uh, we know that God is has gone from the beginning and He's going to take it to the end. And he's already said in one verse that uh, he makes all things beautiful in his time. So everything is done as in creation. When God created, it was done the way that he wanted it. In providence, that's carrying out the life then. You know, he's, he creates and then he provides, right? He creates and today he is providing. He's, he's taking care of that. So we shall see it. The end will come and we'll see that and God will... Uh, judge that correctly so uh, so that's one thing about being patient another thing is being pleased with our lot in this world and I think that as the verse said um, the lot that has been given to us um, and and acquiesce to the fact that hey the will of God here that's all that's important that's all that really matters and so accommodate ourselves to it um, I think we just want to make good use of where he's placed us and what he's given us to do and the things to do with. And, and why is it? Okay, we want to be pleased in this world that we live. You know, we could be taking it as all futility, but a Christian should say, I'm pleased with where God is at. That, that's called contentment, actually. Um, for one thing, it's for the benefit of others. How can I benefit others in this life that I live? That was hard. Benefiting others, especially when it like comes to like a sacrifice, self-sacrifice, you know, your time, your own money, and you expect nothing back. 
<clears throat> now, who, who did that? Who has done that? Yeah. <laughs> That's what God does, and then he expects a self-sacrifice. Right. That's, and that is uh, really the word love. That's really what love is. It's right. giving up yourself, self-sacrificing for the good of uh, others. Right. Even though you won't get, you may not get anything back in return. Right. You will get something back in return. God will do it. But matter of fact, just for the satisfaction of being able to serve in Christ is enough a reward in that sense right there. I mean, uh, a life without being able to serve anybody would really be boring. It would be empty. There's right. something there. We're, we're here to benefit others. We're not here for just ourselves, right? We're going to learn something new tonight. Well, right. Well, that's what the world is all about. It's, it is about you. So we have to... And then another thing, not only please with our lot in this world, but be entirely satisfied with all the things in providence that uh, God has disposed uh, to us. Um, we know... Can His counsel be altered? You know, His ultimate plan? No. Can't change it, can we? Um, and, and it won't be altered. It, it, matter of fact, if we can see it as it is perfect... His counsel is perfect. Nothing can be put into it. There is no deficiency in His purpose, His plan. Uh, so that's why we have the Word of God. That's why we must study to realize how God is working in our lives and why things aren't going the way that we would always like it. Realize that God is doing something. So when we read and study, we see it. If, we, if you read Ecclesiastes, you sure get that answer, don't you? And then... Whatever the changes are, and there are plenty of them, we change all the time. God never changes. We change. There has no change befallen us, nor any temptation that's overtaken us, but as uh, but what is common to man, right? Okay. Now, sixteen through twenty-two is dealing with the vanity of man, and uh, he takes the ones who are the rulers, the wicked judges. In verse 16, the ones who are in the place of justice, um, there are wicked judges, there uh, are good judges, there are really good judges. There was one that just passed away. Uh, one of the, maybe uh, maybe the most conservative Supreme Court judge that uh, that we've had. And uh, we, we've lost him. And, um, you know, they're not all like that, are they? And we know that it could definitely sway to a liberal end with a liberal president right. and so many liberal people behind him. He will probably uh, try to get a judge in, and that's what he's already stated uh, before he's out of office. And we know what kind of man that would be. That way he will What's that? That's right. So, and every, and so, when they start ruling from the bench, which they're not supposed to do, they will have always have the liberal answer. So they pervert justice, they condemn the righteous, they acquit the wicked, they oppress the widows, the poor, they oppress the unborn, they kill the unborn. Anyway, um, whenever a mighty man is on the throne, if he's not of God. And he is of injustice and wicked, takes the place of righteousness, and that wickedness will uh, show forth. And so that's the idea 
the next section in, in the, this chapter is where he talks about animals and mankind, beast and mankind, the vanity of man as being mortal, all turned to dust again. We come from dust, we return to dust. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust, right? That's right. And that, isn't this just a principle? It's just everybody knows that, and here it is in Ecclesiastes, and he's saying, you know, animals die, mankind dies. We're, we're, we're mortals. Uh, this is a, a truth. Uh, they will return to uh, the dust. There is indeed a difference between man and animals. Um, but basically what he's putting forth here, um, we know that man is rational. Man is... Um, uh, he has an immortal soul. His his soul is immortal. That he will have uh, a life after this. Uh, the life of God, the life of God that's in man, that soul will go upward to God. Um, an animal dies and they don't have the soul. So it shows that there's a difference there. Um, but anyway, he, he's really saying like this. Man just dies like beasts. You know, and that, you know, it's we know there's more of an answer to that, but puts forth that. And then the answer to all of this is he ends up chapter three, two things: keep a clear conscience, live a cheerful life, a joyful life. God says in His Word, what? Rejoice, rejoice always. And again, I say, rejoice. And this is the wise man's conclusion. He comes to these sentiments that there's nothing better for a man really than to enjoy the fruit of his labor. So when you take a right view of it, you take it God's perspective, now you're on to something. When we see God in it and see God in all the changes, and then, but yet He's given us this, He's given us that, and we can freely be thanking Him and joyfully using it and whatever riches that He's given, whatever power He's given, authority, um, you know, the, the good that comes out of our pra- uh, families and the present that we have with the, with the, uh, the time that we live in, the, the people that he's, he's given around of us, uh, it's for the good of His fellow man. And so he, he has a really good, bright view as he closes that chapter up. For a moment, it looked like it was really bleak again. But then the clouds get opened back up. The sun shines through. And then he starts chapter 4. <laughs> and so, um, what, what are you guys titling this chapter 4? What was it? What did you have there, Bob? Uh, life's Oppressions and Inequalities. Life's Oppressions and Inequalities. Why don't we use that title? Is that pretty good for chapter 4? Anyway, to start off with... Um, in this chapter, and we'll read it here, the wise man reassumes this whole idea, he's considering this, is the abuse of power. Boy, can we identify with this. People don't do that. Do they do that? And And just because one has great grandeur and superiority and authority and, and leadership and whatever they do, really... There's no happiness in the world with that, without Christ. He's saying it's futile. Um, the oppressor, the one who is oppressing, will be judged. If you have a judge and he's judging wickedly, 
he will be judged. May not look like it in our time, but he will be. <laughs> and you know what? Well, that's kind of what um, Solomon's saying here. Let's let's read the first few verses here. Then I looked again, and he's already talked about it. At all the acts of oppression which were being done under the sun. What's that phrase mean? Uh, under the sun is dealing with here on earth. It's man's viewpoint without Christ. Exactly. Under heaven is looking at the way that God looks. And so, under the sun, this is the way. It, this is the way it looks. Behold, I saw the tears of the oppressed, and they had no one to comfort them. And on the side of their oppressors was power, but they had no one to comfort them. So I congratulated the dead. Now, this is a unique statement here, verses two and three. I congratulated the dead who are already dead more than the living who are still living. But better off than both of them is the one who has never existed, who has never seen the evil activity that is done under the sun. If it weren't for Christ, actually it'd been better if you don't even get born, even exist. I mean, if this is all there is, what a joke! You know, it'd be better. And so he says, the ones who are dead, you know, look, they're better off than we are in living. You know, that's taking a pretty bleak view. But remember, if we, under the sun's view, that's kind of the idea. If and Solomon's been there, hasn't he? He knows what it's like to uh, to rule, to lead. Um, Almost like having no hope left. I mean, well, he he didn't, did he? Not not there a few chapters ago. Yeah. I mean, it's like when he's talking right here about all the oppressed and how all these people have power and it would be better not to ever be born and then uh, knowing that Christ did come but you know if Christ never did come then you know where would we be today if Christ hadn't showed up this would be so. with still oppression <laughs> and like it would really seem like that like the, I feel like the skies would be dark and red and, and like there's just no hope and civilization and life continues on and anybody who's born in this world would just live the suffering life. And you know what? When you look at, at an atheist, do they believe in an afterlife? No. They don't, right? What What do they have to look forward to? What they don't want. <laughs> who was the guy who was the guy that uh wrote uh, some of the best selling books? Uh Dawkins. And that's the guy that died, right? No. Or, oh, Hutchins. That's it. Okay, Christopher Hutchins. Right. They they had the same view. And, you know, they were they were atheists who attacked Christians. They weren't just atheists who just kind of laid back. They weren't silent. Right. They attacked Christianity with all their might. But you had to wonder. You, you know, what what did he look forward to? He dies and then that's it. And he pronounced so much that there was not a God. And yet you see that. Um, if you look at the uh, the authors, you know we we started off uh, this series of Ecclesiastes with um, there have been a lot of authors that, uh, especially in the 20th century, who didn't believe in God. They didn't believe in any morals. You could do whatever you wanted to do, but and they wanted to be in control of life and do whatever they wanted to do and control of their death. And sometimes you'd see these these same guys that would purport this kind of lifestyle, then would do what? Commit suicide. Because uh, so, they wanted to have control over their death. 
when we got to that point. That is a uh, a hopeless view. And these are guys that are supposed to have tremendous minds, the thinkers of the world. No. They, the, the wise of the world yeah. and the Christians uh-huh. have like the foolishness of the gospel. Worldly wisdom from the book. Exactly. Uh, uh, progress. Uh-huh. And, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 2 talks about that yeah. same worldly wisdom yeah. versus the foolishness of the gospel. Right. Which, that's all in quotes. That's, <laughs> that's how they view it. It's totally upside down. Anyway, Solomon's grieved by this, I think he has a really tender soul, you know, a, a real large heart. Uh, the afflictions uh, that came on the afflicted, he knew how people were treated, and he mentions it over and over through Ecclesiastes. It's not that he did that with people; he saw that these people treated uh, people with a much of uh, oppression, and then the might and the power always prevailed. It didn't look like there was any hope for anybody. I think it, it, blessed is he that considers the poor. Blessed are the poor, right? How about the ones who consider it? And so uh, he mentions in um, the first verse, Behold, I saw the tears of the oppressed. They had no one to comfort them. And on the side of their oppressors was power. They had no one to comfort them. There was, there was no hope. It was that bleak. So the tears were actually there. Uh, tears of the oppressed... Uh, and so therefore you can think, blessed are the ones who mourn. Blessed are the poor. When Jesus comes on the scene, many of the people were oppressed. And um, we know that there is hope beyond that. But they wept. They needed comfort. There was nobody there to do that. Nobody in a friendly office to come along and, and offer them out of the situation. Yeah, that's all you get. Uh, powerful. Uh, th- these these leaders would crush. They would uh, just power over them and mow them over. And yet they had the power to deliver them out of that, and they didn't. Uh, verses 2 and 3, it, here's the temptations of that kind of condition. You start thinking, well, it'd be better off just to be dead. You know? Uh, even despise life, to hate life. That's where those kind of things can take them. And being happy when the fact that whenever life comes to its end, I'll be glad. It's over. Death was more appealing. What a sad situation. And that's where one who even is thinking at all, who does not have Christ, comes to this situation. They're not happy people. Um, and then, of course, it says you'd even be happier if you were never born. Earthly life had become so disheartened as to make non-existence preferable. That's a terrible, dark, without hope view, isn't it? And so the people of the world who are highly oppressed, that is a kind of a view that they can be driven to, and they see death all around them. And they realize that they're next. At the end of verse 3, it has three more words again that we're familiar with. Under the sun. So if you, if you view it without the answer, without hope, that's what you come up to. We're not offering vanity here, are we? We see the hope, but think how a man thinks without truth. 
verse 4 through 6 deals kind of uh, labor, business. I have seen that every labor and every skill which is done is a result of rivalry between a man and his neighbor. This too is vanity and striving after wind. The fool folds his hands, consumes his own flesh. One handful of rest is better than two fists full of labor and striving after wind. So, you get into verse 4. If one is successful, successful, he will, he will suffer actually from mankind because they will take a look at him and they will, um, they will condemn him, despise him, have a grudge on him. Right. Star athletes in school. A lot of people think, oh, I want to be a star athlete. But if you're not a star athlete and you're not even in sports, all you hear is how people don't like them because, oh, they, they get all the attention, oh, they're so good, blah, blah, blah. And anything wrong they do is, like, made and people are just waiting for them to mess up. Right. People don't want to see people succeed. People succeed. Right. <laughs> they want to see them fail because they themselves. Yeah, they're jealous when they're failures. In the nicest way possible. <laughs> right. Not calling anybody a failure, but, you know, if you're mad at somebody's success, it's because you yourself beat yourself in the failure. Yeah. <clears throat> Feelings are short-term. Right. Yeah. Rivalry between a man and his neighbor. You know, see, so when one is even doing good, it gets ill will. Um, there's little comfort to be expected by the wise person here. Uh, the fool does ill will for himself because in verse 5, the fool... Okay, the, here's the guy that labors and puts all this effort into it. Mm-hmm. Then you have another guy who doesn't do anything. He folds his hands. And uh, it has an interesting phrase, consumes his own flesh. Um, you know, he, 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 he destroys himself. He's, he's an idle person. He's, he self-torments. Uh, he's never satisfied. Um, he, he won't work for himself. He, he, he's in want. He's in poverty. Uh, his envy eats up his spirit. The, the envy that he would have that others have, it's rottenness to his bones. So you have one guy over here laboring hard and he's not satisfied. And you another got, got another guy that doesn't work, doesn't do anything, and, and so he's consumed by his own flesh. And, and so it's like taking it to the extremes and I got the word balance there. Where's ba- the only balance that you ever find is through truth. That's where it's always found. 7 through 12 is this old adage, which we know, all of this is not new to us, is it? This is, these are basic principles. Not always in every case will it seem to pan out for everybody because you can see some people who are successful and they're doing real well. They don't know God, but everything's going good. As a matter of fact, they're even happy with life. You see that occasionally. But somewhere along the line, that's not always going to be the case. They will, will, they will come to some kind of truth. Something will hit. 7 through 12 is vanity of having much, wanting more. Ask any millionaire what they want after they get their first million. Another million? <laughs> wow. I can take this million and make a million. Just win the Super Bowl next year. 
That's it. That's, that's right. They're already You got it. That's exactly it. They worked hard, all that hard. They reached it, and for a few moments, it's really good. And, and then it's it's like, oh, we got to go back at it. Right. We got to do all these games. Got to start games. the Royals. I was so I had so much fun watching them through the World Series, and it, really, that was great. But I knew as soon as they won it, it's like. You know what? Next year it's going to be that much harder to get back to where they were at because everybody's going to gun for them and they get a little prideful. Yeah. It always happens. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, the vanity of having much and wanting more. What do we have here? Let's pick it up, verse 7. Then I looked again at vanity. That seems to be the key word, right? The emptiness under the sun. There was a certain man without a dependent, having neither a son nor a brother, yet there was no end to all his labor. Indeed, his eyes were not satisfied with riches, and he never asked, and for whom I am laboring and depriving myself of pleasure. This too is vanity, and it's a grievous task. So, in in those verses there, it's talking about this guy is really selfish. He lives for himself. Matter of fact, he probably even lives alone there. He's a slave to his business. Who knows how many hours he puts in? It could be 16 hours a day, if more. Go for it. Go for it, right? Find out how this will get you. Uh, He's not satisfied with the riches. Uh, He doesn't have anybody else uh, with him there. And so, whenever he finishes one work, he goes to another. He rises up early and he sits up late wondering how he can get his next billion dollars or whatever. He toils night and day, and there's no end to what he labors for. Oh, yeah? Well, I know some people that work and have careers and sort of mundane, what I would view as mundane jobs, and they're working towards that retirement. They go, you exactly. Know, I've got three years of this left. I can't wait. Right. They're going to be. Their body is broken down the when they retire. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then the, that whole time they've, they've spent their life wanting to sit back at the end of it. But, you know, those latter years are not your best years. They're golden years, but. Yeah, you, you're. Now you're just wise. You, know? you can't. You can tell other people. But your body won't maybe do all the yeah. stuff that you wanted to do. But they waited for that time of retirement. Everybody looks forward to it, and there's nothing wrong in that sense. As far as Christ work, we don't retire though. No. We right. never retire. We may not do the same job that we did before, but let me tell you, a lot of people work harder doing stuff at home sometimes. Well, that's that thing about running the race. You don't slow down at the end of the finish line. Keep it up. You got yeah. that's right. That's and that's a good illustration. This is a marathon, uh-huh. and you got to keep running, don't you? Keep going strong. That's that's good. Really good. Wow. <laughs> and then what? And three months after she retired, she had a stroke. Ah. And so she can't really do anything. The million doesn't mean anything now, does it really? She doesn't have God, and they, just, they, and they didn't have any friends. There were no friends ever in your life. Boy, does this fit in with this one. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're reading this, and you're going, that's... Who is that? And that's sad. And it was. I mean, that's sad. Really, 
if it weren't for us and my children, their daughter wouldn't have had anybody at the graduation party. Oh, wow. And they had a huge graduation party. They spent lots of money on it. But there's just nobody showed up. And nobody huh? showed up. Nobody liked how they got treated by them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got a lot of leftovers. <laughs> 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 but that's, I don't know how it comes to too, even with the rich man and all that labor. But I know that what God does is he uses that benefit from that man that he lets it his own people. Mm-hmm. That a lot of times just by either working for that person, having a job, whatever. Right. They, he even uses those riches of the world to take care of his own to it. Right. Their daughter keeps on looking at my children and saying, um, she wants what they have. Right. Uh, she wants that family. It's not, it's not mm. money that they have. It's just God. Right. And she just hasn't she hasn't figured it out yet. She doesn't see the sadness that's mm-hmm. there? No. That lady, her niece. Right. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. So one can have either like no family or... Uh, no children or no relations nor any friends or anything like that and this guy is is he even he is he's not even asking him what am i toiling for what am i doing all this for I, you know he should be asking i'm heaping up riches but what's this all about um and he's going to leave his substance behind him somebody that can inherit it maybe even somebody he doesn't even know is going to wind up with that money that's and that's the circle that's that's yeah. where chapter one started with remember we were talking about this last week it's all a circle to, under the sun it's endless tiring and then a Christian looks at it on the plane on the horizontal level knowing that where this is really going right you know at, at times we might get tripped up but we always know we know where this is heading that was a fun ride <laughs> it is it's, it's exciting for me it's like I guess when I sit back and I see like the people I work with and I hear about all the kind of things that they go through and the decisions that they've made and I'm just like I'm just like like guys do you really not know that most of that is your fault <laughs> like you could have avoided all that, you know, if you had done what was right, but because you don't know what's right and think what you know what's right, there's nothing I can say to you that's going to make you think otherwise. <laughs> but it's like, it's like as I, as that same opportunity and those same events hit me, it's just kind of like, I go through the struggle, I go through like a, a lot of wondering, is God with me in this moment? And I come back and I'm like, of course he is. And, you know, I got the ups and downs and, then when it's like nice and smooth, I'm like, that wasn't so bad. <laughs> that's the thing is, though, the things that you go through and like the hard times, they don't seem as hard as well, those, what those people are telling you about because you have had it. Right. You, don't, you don't perceive they, it that way and you don't feel that way about it. Right. You've gone through the same thing that they've gone through, but you don't yeah. react the same. That's right. Is she either way? Yeah, she's just going to pick some grapes. Well, I got so, that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, you got, you got this man in this situation, and he doesn't even really see the folly of it all, really. But then you got 9 through 12. Everybody's kind of familiar with this, uh, this section. It's kind of, it, how good it is to have people around, family, 
friends, to fellowship with other believers. How blessed are you when you have people around you? And boom, you go in and shift into this. He's, he's talking about the rich guy who lives for himself and basically is by himself. And that's what he lives for. He doesn't have anybody else, no outlets. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there's not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. So he's saying all the joy and the benefits that you have to have friends, family, um, to be able to, you know, to share with, with other people. He's talking about a social life there. And um, what a difference it is between the, um, the other guy who lives for his money. So, he's stating something that's so simple. Life is better with companionship than it is to work and work and work and no friends. Benefits are incredible when, when you know... When you have Christian friends to visit visit you, to edify you, to comfort you, uh, to be able to just communicate, there is nothing like it, is there? You know, uh, and even unbelievers, you know, they get together with family. You know, that that's still you know important. That's a gift that God has given. But when you have family uh, that um, are people who believe in Christ, there's nothing sweeter, is there? Right. Really is. We spend hours talking just about the Lord. <laughs> we have so many things in common, don't we? And it's all about the Lord. Yeah, it's always nice, you know. It certainly is. And when you know, when somebody's down, um, somebody can come along and help pick them up. Those kind of things are. are uh... Oh, we need each other. <laughs> That's so says it. Who does oh, that one? Is that think it's real? Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Well, he just took it right out of Ecclesiastes. Um, 13 through 16. Now he's going to talk about the vanity of uh, a kingly state, all the dignity they have. A poor yet wise lad is better than an old and foolish king who longer, no longer knows how to receive instruction. For he has come out of prison to become king, even though he was born poor in his kingdom. I have seen all the living under the sun throng to the side of the second lad who replaces him. There's no end to all the people, to all who were before them, and even the ones who will come later will not be happy with him, for this too is vanity and striving after wind. So that one upcoming upstart that's going to be the next king that does become king, and he'll have a fall, and then all of a sudden they'll drop off. Anyway, it's vanity. The popularity of kings, it's short-lived. Popularity of, of leaders, short-lived. Um, anyway, we have one more chapter. Boom. Hey, we got time. This is the... Va- I, I, say, I don't know why I did vanity of the world here. It, all of this could be that, I guess. But he, he starts off with uh, a relationship with God at the temple. Guard your steps as you go to the house of God and draw near to listen, rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know they are doing evil. Do not be hasty in word or impulsive in thought to bring up a matter in the presence of God. For God is in heaven and you are on the earth. 
Well, that puts it up to the right perspective. God's in heaven and we're here. Our Father who art in heaven, right? And I'm here. God's in heaven, you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. There was a song called that. Let my words be few. For the dream comes through much effort and the voice of a fool through many words. He's talking about this is the temple that actually Solomon built. He's the one that built the temple. It was David. David wasn't allowed to build the temple. Solomon was. A grand temple it was. It was awesome. And to approach God, to approach Him with reverence, draw near to listen. There were sacrifices going on by people, but their hearts weren't right, right? To sacrifice is really one who is bringing the right kind of sacrifice and his heart is there. Then he says, don't be hasty in word. Don't uh, rush into saying things before, you know, when you come up in the presence of God, uh, we want to come up to Him like He's the, the King of the universe. And yet, He gives us access. He's talking about being serious, taking care when we do that. Um, be cautious. Be considerate. And let your words be few. It's talking about vain repetitions. Right. You know, Jesus warned about that, didn't He? You know, like the Pharisees would say things over and over. Uh, be a lot of speaking in prayer. There'd be a lot of words, but... Over and over and over. And over. Money, 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 money. <laughs> money, money, more. Money, just give me money and power and money and... <laughs> Mantras? Yep. Yes. Amen. Um, here's uh, vows or promises. When you make a vow to God, do not be late in paying it. It says if you make a vow... He's not, we're never told to ever make a vow... But if you do, then come clean with it. And he says, don't be late in it. He takes no delight in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not repay. That always reminds me of Burt Reynolds in that one movie that somehow he was out on the ocean and he was he kept he was you know a, what I, he was all. Fell off a boat. I don't remember exactly. And there he is. He's trying to swim back to shore, and it's a long way away. He's praying to God. Does anybody ever remember that movie? Yeah. What he's is it called? Huh? Smokey and the Bandit. No. No, but I can't remember what it's called. But yeah. But he went up and commit suicide, and he went to kill himself in his sorrow. And then he winds up what? And that was when he wants to make a deal it, with God. Right. Makes a deal with God. And he wound, winds up getting all the way, you know, there back. And it's, it's kind of funny how I'll quick do, that drops that. as soon as you're safe, right? Isn't that funny? The guy gave me an answer in the phone race. There's no time left to The answer is there, right? The answer is already there. Do not let your speech cause you to sin, and do not say in the presence of the messenger of God. And a messenger of God there could be like a priest. Let's say if we're talking at the temple here and. Um, that it was a mistake. Say, oh, what what I said, well, I didn't really mean it. You know, he says, if you make a vow, you've made the vow. You come clear with it. If you if you've made a deal with God, and he says, it'd probably be better that you don't. Right. But if you're going to do that, then you better pay it. You better do what you say. Why should God be angry on account of your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For in many dreams and in many words there is emptiness. 
Rather, he says this, fear God. Yeah, I swear on my mom's bitch. I swear on my dad's bitch. That's what the movie was. Yeah. The end. Yeah. Like yeah. the end of his life was that's coming. The black comedy. Verse eight. If you see oppression, here we go, of the poor and denial of justice and righteousness in the province, do not be shocked at the sight for one. Uh, official watches over another. Remember, a judge will watch over another judge. They're watching over you. And the thing is, there will be higher officials over them. After all, a king who cultivates the field is an advantage to the land. But if one takes care of the people and what they have, and his whole motive is for the fact, hey, this can be good for all, then there can be something good out of it. But evidently, the kings, the judges, they were all oppressors. Ah! Nothing new under the sun, is there? <laughs> What's going on in our government? Hmm. All right, 9 through 17, we're going to read it and uh, we're going to be done. We're just going to kind of go through it. The love of money is never satisfied. We know this. He comes right back to this subject again. He keeps coming back to oppression. keeps talking about the money. These are the things that consume this world. Here we go. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money. Boy, right there. Says it all. Enough said. Enough said. Nor he loves abundance with its income. This too is vanity. When good things increase, those who consume them increase. So what is advantage to their owners except to look on? The sleep of the working man is pleasant, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich man does not allow him to sleep. He can't sleep. What's more, there's a grievous evil which I have seen under the sun. Riches being hoarded by their owner to his hurt. When those riches were lost through a bad investment, and he had fathered a son, and there was nothing to support him. As he had come naked from his mother's womb, so will he return as he came. He will take nothing from the fruit of his labor that he can carry in his hand. Uh, he can't take a U-Haul and have it behind the purse, the hearse, as, it, as he's going to be buried. It goes with him, right? This also is a grievous evil. Exactly as a man is born, thus will he die. So what's his advantage to him? Who toils for the wind. Throughout his life, he also eats in darkness with great vexation, sickness and anger. And I like this last part. And here's how we end, 18 through 20. Here's what I have seen to be good and fitting to eat, to drink, to enjoy oneself and one's labor in which he toils under the sun while you're on the earth during the few years of his life which God has given him for this is his reward. Enjoy what you have. The things that are basic, enjoy that. Furthermore, as for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth, He has also empowered him to eat from them and to receive His reward and rejoice in His labor. This is the gift of God. He said this before. As a matter of fact, I think we kind of started this out today. 
for he will not often consider the years of his life because God keeps him occupied with the gladness of his heart. For those who consider that God is the source of wealth, there are pleasures, there are riches, there are blessings, and we have the ability to enjoy them. Think about how much God has given us. We have been blessed. We are wealthy. We are more than wealthy. And compare it, if you want to, compare it with the rest of the world. Compare it with thousands of years of mankind and think what we have now. And we have so much to be praising God about. Grateful. Thanksgiving. We, think, we tend to think of how much we don't have. And that's not the way to look at it. It says, enjoy what you've been given. That's a good positive note to end it with, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I think it's in the Christmas catalog every year where you can buy stuff for people in impoverished countries. And things that they ask for, you know, like some of them are farm animals so they can get milk and eggs and stuff like that. Bed to protect from mosquitoes. Those kind of things that they're so thankful for, and here we're wanting mm. BMWs and you know a bigger, better this and that, and, else. and they want bed nets. A kid wants a box of crayons. You know, it's like we we don't know how good we have it. Yeah. <coughs> no kidding. I think Solomon pretty well says it to all to our, our American way of life. Wow. It's pretty cutting, isn't it? But we're thankful for the time that God has put us in. It's not by accident. You live on this earth and who you were born to and where you live right now and what you do. It's not by accident. God is good in all that. He's worthy to be praised. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this time. and There is a time for everything. Thank You that we have a time for Bible study. Thank You for a time that uh, Your people just kind of get together and we edify each other just by looking at your word and having you sit at, uh, at having us sit at your feet. Thankful, Lord, that we can get a, a right attitude. Help us to have that the rest of this week as we think about what Solomon is warning us of, and also telling us the benefits that we have so much. In Jesus' name, Amen. Um,